It is week four of Around the League from UGASports.com. I'm Dane Young, joined by Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus and the head coach, Jim Donnan, the College Football Hall of Famer. This is our show where we talk about every game in the SEC every week. We all work with and for UGASports.com, but we keep an eye on what's going around uh, the conference. And just being around Coach Donnan, I see how many connections he has just throughout all the college football, so he knows a lot of the things happening in the league and just has that coach's eye. Same thing that Brent has when he watches football, something I don't have, uh, but it's something that I, I want to make sure that it gets across on these shows. It's why we do it, and we do it also with the help of ASW Distillery and our friends at Connor Grading and Landscaping. We'll talk about them in just a few minutes. The first game that I think is the marquee game of the SEC, even though it's not where college game day is, I think it's Arkansas versus Texas A&M, that one uh, in Dallas, Brent. And, and this is one for Arkansas. You kind of change the complexion of the West if you find a way to win it. What's your early read on this game? Well, also, it has implications for where college game day will be next week because they get if Arkansas goes and gets this dub, I would bet game day is going to Fayetteville for Alabama-Arkansas next week. But it's kind of what gives in this game. Arkansas has given up at least 24 points in every game even to Missouri State a week ago. Uh, and then and Bobby Petrino scored. was doing a job interview, though. He hey, saw he was, Auburn coming open, and he's like, let me take my, my national spotlight with Missouri State. He definitely did. And then A&M, who's like Jimbo and his offense is kind of like the anti-Todd Munkin. They've not evolved at all. It's still sort of archaic in terms of what they do. And they haven't scored over – they've only scored over, 20, over 17 once, and that was against Sam Houston State. So what gives – and I do th- I do agree that this is the biggest game and this has the biggest implications sort of moving forward. Uh, no question about it. Uh, it. It's at a neutral site, so to speak, playing at Jerry World. But here's the deal. Uh, out of the last 10 times they played, A&M won nine. Arkansas finally beat them last year to get over the hump. There were some inexplicable lose- losses there when uh, Brett Bielema was the coach. They had them down, but they found a way to lose it. But – you know, I think this game uh, is going to be one that I always look for when people are playing tight. I mean, they're playing not to lose. That's what it looked to me like A&M last week. They were on eggshells, uh, not throwing the ball down the field, protecting the ball. Had a tremendous kicking game. Pinned Miami back inside the 20, 10 of the several punts at least three times inside the 10. And then you got the big play guy. Arcane, who can uh, pronounce that for me, uh, Brent? How you pronounce H-A. it? H-A. H-A. Who can really, you know, hurt you leading the country in kick returns. So they, they're using their special teams, and now they're going with Max at quarterback. I wish they'd take the uh, reins off him a little bit and let him go throw the ball down the field. Defensively, they gave up 27 or 29 first downs, but no, no touchdowns. So bend and don't break. Uh, the thing that they're going to have a problem with with this Arkansas team, from my perspective, is Arkansas can run the ball good enough right at you with Rocket Sanders and with the quarterback runs that Jefferson presents. But that's going to put a tremendous pressure on their secondary to support the run, and they might get some easy throws to Hazelwood and and Matt Landers. It's a question whether Matt Landers will catch it or not. But he definitely, hey, he's only got one, only one drop thus far. Okay, yeah, I knew you'd tell me, but. <laughs> it's, this is a big game. It's in like playing Southwest Missouri State. So here's the deal, too. Uh, you know, what can Max Johnson do against that secondary that's been torched? I mean, A&M is uh, 
has not thrown the ball down the field, but, uh, you know, Barry Odom's team uh, is good at sacking the quarterback. They got 17 sacks on the season. And uh, this Sanders guy is just unbelievable player transferred from Alabama. But uh, I think they got to throw the ball down the field to hurt this uh, Arkansas defense. And maybe they'll take the wraps off their offense. That was a good analysis by Brent saying it's kind of archaic, which it is. I mean, it reminds me of going to the movies when you're paying nine cents to go. I mean, it's uh, back in the old day stuff and old timey offense. It's a 7 p.m. kick. It's on ESPN. Texas A&M is a two-point favorite. And to me, Brent, I, I look at this week in the SEC for these couple of marquee games. It's kind of that early season identity builder. Because if things go wrong, you have to work so hard to kind of get things back on the rails for your season. If Texas A&M gets out of here, we talked about Arkansas, what potentially a win does for them. The opposite of Texas A&M is 2-2 two and two to start the season and a loss to Arkansas and still having to go through the gauntlet of the West – it could get rough for Jimbo pretty quickly. I'm not saying in terms of his job. I'm just saying in terms of morale there. Yes, very much so. And on the bright side for them, their loss is non-conference. Like it's an state. Uh, so, you know, I think that's a good thing for them. But coach, the three names that you brought up just shows what the transfer portal can do for a football team. Drew Sanders, Jaden Hazelwood, Matt Landers, all three that are big time players for Arkansas right now coming from other schools. And if you can be successful with the portal and get those guys that are plug and play, like Landers and uh, Hazelwood right now, each have right around 13 catches, you know, 150 plus yards, a couple touchdowns for Hazelwood. Like they're they're their playmakers in addition to Jefferson. But I think ultimately this come down, comes down to which quarterback do, doesn't turn the football over. Max didn't have any turnover worthy plays or any turnovers in, in the first game uh, for AM. KJ Jefferson doesn't have, I don't think he has any picks, but he has fumbles and he's fumbled the ball a lot so whichever quarterbacks takes care of the ball i think that's who comes out with the victory in this game one of the things too you got to really counsel old jefferson is the standpoint you don't have to win this game by yourself you, you don't have to run it when it looks like it look you know things are a little tight going and throw the ball he's had a tendency in big games to be very uh very fall try to be superman yeah do too much just this mix it up let these other guys help you their O line is is solid. Their D line is okay. I look for A uh, and M to do what we did last year, Georgia, run right at that three three five defense and try to you know go at the at the soft spots of it where they got a, a hole in it. And uh, but it, it, the one thing that's always on your mind if you're coaching in the West is okay if we lose we still got to play Alabama. You know what I mean? So it, it's all on the horizon that uh, hard to win with two losses because your head-to-head win uh, against Alabama is a loss. So it's really like three. So you get behind the sticks with Alabama. It's going to be hard to get in the playoffs uh, as far as playing for the SEC championship. And, and conversely, same thing with Tennessee and Kentucky, although Tennessee does have to play Alabama, Kentucky doesn't. But you know, those head-to-head losses to Georgia are, are like two two losses because – and I don't see Georgia losing two times in, in the East. I mean, maybe. but uh, So, all of this is just philosophical. But two big games starting out here uh, early in the year that have so many implications. And I think we're going to break down the Tennessee-Florida uh, game next. And I'm going to tell you what, Brent, 
I'm interested to see what all you're going to have to say about it because I got so much I could take the whole show. That's a 3:30 CBS kick. Tennessee favored by ten and a half. Brent. I mean, look at the quarterback play. I, I it's it's hard not to focus on it. Like when you look at what Hennon Hooker has done since at Tennessee since he's taken over as a starter, he has 37 touchdowns and just three picks since he's taken over playing for them. This season only has one turnover-worthy play versus Anthony Richardson, who's yet to throw a touchdown pass, yet to have a big-time throw, and has six turnover-worthy plays. Like 43.9 passing grade. It got worse against after the South Florida game. He's got to, they have to have production from him and he has to kind of be Superman because Florida doesn't really have playmakers on the outside. And I think that's going to be in Tennessee being at home and the tempo that they have, I, I, I think it's going to be too much for Florida. Here's the thing too, that I'd point out right off the bat game day there, Tennessee's about 12 months pregnant for a big win. You know, their fans have been waiting and waiting ever since Philip Fulmer was there. I mean, they, they have not gotten over the hump. Uh, they're 1-15 against Florida. They've won two or three against Georgia, haven't beaten Alabama. But they got a three-headed monster out there at receiver that, that you got to work on. I mean, all of a sudden they get Brew McCoy in from Southern Cal, and then they've got Tillman and Hyatt out there. I mean, who are you going to defend? Who are you going to take over? Because all of a sudden you start playing – the inside run, and one of these guys will run a bang eight on you. That means a quick post, and all of a sudden you're behind the sticks either for a 20, 30-yard gain or a touchdown. So everybody's got to be on point, got to play exactly where you're supposed to because they're, if you watch the game, just watch the large splits of the wide receivers. comes from Baylor. That's where Hypo picked all this stuff up when Joe Don Finley came and coached with him at uh, – Missouri and they put all that in but their whole deal is to get in the lineup quick as fast as they can and receivers you line up anywhere you can we're going to snap the ball that's why they look like some really funky looking formation sometimes a guy could be a slot on the side of the field and run a crossing route and he's into the boundary he'll just come back there and stack behind the behind the x and they'll throw a quick screen to him so you better be ready Interesting fact here, the two best players beside that one great D lineman for Florida are Georgia Bulldogs, Kimberly Corner, Cox at defensive end, and both of them are starting and playing well. Kimber had a pick six last week, mm -hmm. and uh, he left here because he didn't think he could play at Georgia. So uh, around the league, we just keep talking about that's our name, but around the league, Georgia Bulldogs playing for everybody, Brini. Uh, Landers playing for Arkansas. These two for Florida. Uh, Major Burns at LSU. Got yep. uh, guys playing everywhere. But I think this game is, is going to be based on can Richardson not try to do everything and maybe get somebody to catch the ball. Otherwise, they're going to just play Richardson and say, "Hey, you can't beat us running the ball," and and they're going to they're going to score a lot of points on uh, this Florida defense. So. Florida's got to wait, find a way to manufacture some points. I think – I don't feel sorry for them, but I think Florida's going in there with a shorter uh, amount of bullets than what uh, Tennessee's got. You know I love to do the schedule check. And for Tennessee, they need this game against Florida because after this, at LSU, Alabama, then they get UT Martin a little break, then Kentucky and Georgia. I mean, that could be an incredible run that puts them on a new plane, or it can be 
something that destroys your your hope and what Heupel's built so far. That's a six-game stretch that it's rough. Right, and, you know, we remember the fourth quarter at Alabama last year where they just threw the, ball, or threw the ball at will against them, and they're going to be playing them on Rocky Top, too. I mean, they got two tough games uh, that they got their home team, and then they got to go to Georgia. And, you know, Kentucky's always going to be a bloodbath game. You know, I mean, they, they should have beaten Kentucky last year. They might have beaten them. I can't remember who won that game. Uh, it was a, it was something, a giveaway. One of them did. But here's the, here's the deal. Around the league, it's got a lot to talk about today. But all of a sudden, after these first two, we don't have a lot to talk about. But I figured <laughs> my man Dane can talk about our two sponsors, who I think what? our fans can really uh, listen to them for that because they do a good job of, of their respective uh, companies. Yeah, let's get to them. Let's talk about our friends over at Connor Grading and Landscaping. Brent, I know you've had them at your house recently. Uh, are they uh, set to come back out and do some of the work that y'all discussed? Once I pick what I want them to do, I got to pick. Like I'm, well, I'm picking between the various things of doing some of it, a little bit of it on my own just to get my boys busy. Uh, but other than that, yes, going to pick and let, let them roll here soon. Well, if you need some and good I'm ideas. Gonna I'm going to get them to come over here and I got a drain issue uh, that uh, that I need to get checked on around my deck. And I got to get the contact numbers you're going to put on here because they need to go come check the old coach out. Yeah, you what you need to do, Coach, is go to ConnorGrading.com. And if you're in Brent's shoes, what I suggest is going to the gallery page and seeing some of the great photos of work that they've done already in Northeast Georgia. And it goes from, uh, I mean, it's in their name, the grading and landscaping. So whether it's moving earth or finding a way to kind of have a solution so water drains to a better spot in your yard, this is a really good time of year to do it because we have hit fall, my friends. When you wake up on Friday, there'll be a chill in the air, which means you're not cutting your grass quite as often you can probably get a bit more work done and have it ready for not only your tailgating but when next spring comes around it'll be all set for you then the folks at connor grading and landscaping are really true professionals in what they do and it's the customer service that makes them stand out brent you've had them like i, I keep mentioning it you've had them at your house multiple times and what you've told me is they're on time they're quick they have good ideas and they let me go on my day. They don't give me some six-hour window and say I'll be there in the middle of it somewhere. 100% correct. So go check out connorgrading.com. Follow them uh, on Instagram or check out their Facebook page, our friends at Connor Grading and Landscaping. They've uh, been sponsors of Around the League since we've started doing this, essentially. So thanks to them for that. Uh, I want to get to Missouri and Auburn, Coach, because identity game, th these are two teams in crises already. Uh, Auburn, a really tough loss to Penn State, didn't really look competitive in the second half. But Missouri also, we haven't seen much from them to think that they're going to be, what, a bowl contender at this point? Yeah, you know, when I used to work up at ESPN and we'd be in the green room waiting to go back on at halftime, and Reese Davis and Mark May and myself, and uh, we had a couple games every week. We had one we called the pillow fight of the week, which was really the two worst teams in the country playing which usually some teams from the East, you know, like, like Massachusetts versus Connecticut or something. And then the Mayflower Bowl, uh, which which basically said whoever lost the coach was going to probably have a Mayflower truck in his yard on Monday. So we're in that situation here with uh, Drinkowitz is not quite as much in the hot seat as Harson, but 
Parson last week, that team looked totally inept trying to stop the run. Were terrible against the pass and offensively very ineffective. Other than that, they had a good game. But a Penn State came in there and just routed them. I didn't think it would be anything near that. They've been we talked about their road woes, but they they got their young running back and and of course the, the quarterback's a veteran guy. He, he's been up there longer than Stetson's been here, I think, and he he really performed well. It's going to be a pressure packed game because everybody's telling Harson. You got to win, you got to win. But you talk about the guy that's got some games coming up. I mean, look at who all he's got to play. And uh, so I don't know if Finley's hurt. They, they say he's going to miss. Uh, if they put Anderson in there, they can run the, all those uh, option plays. But he's prone to drop the ball, which if they start dropping the ball against Missouri, who knows what. Missouri can't score on anybody. They finally got someone. What's Abilene Christian? Is that Division Two or – what, what, I don't even – I honestly don't even know. <laughs> I don't think you're one double A. I've never seen him play. But uh, that had to be a game that was picked up for uh, somebody called a bus station and that team was driving through there or something. But uh, they – they what was it, 30-something to 17? I mean, yeah, 31-17. But uh, Missouri doesn't show me much. I mean, we – that's a bad statement. Because it's supposed to be yeah, you just went to show me state. Show I mean, that was so dad joke with you, Coach. Be, yeah, show <laughs> me state. But uh, seriously, uh, Bulldogs got to go out there and play a night game next week, which is going to be going to be hanging around all day and all that. But uh, Auburn, what do you got in Auburn? Tell me something, Brent. You got something? Tell me. They got to have something. It's not good. None of it's good. And then I think you call it the Mayflower game. Is this? Kind of like a loser leaves town match, like, you know, like with the coach part of it. Because, I, I think, like you that, said, it's a struggle bus either way. I think that train's already left the station for Auburn uh, for multiple reasons. I mean, their AD situation too. But uh, as coach was saying, with their schedule: LSU, Georgia, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Western Kentucky, Alabama. So Western at what point Kentucky, in that? Hey, seriously, Western Kentucky should have beaten. Indiana, just unbelievable, inexplicable at the end. They went for two and got it to overtime. The guy had – I mean, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, the, the strong safety had a check when the guy goes in motion, blitz, because there's nobody to pick you up on a two-point play. He took two steps. He was coming in there un, uncontested and then decided to drop off on his own and uh, ended up being – Disaster! They all, they kicked the field goal and beat them. But uh, Western Kentucky plays Florida International this week. That'll be what I would say a condo pick. Take Western Kentucky and give up the twenty nine. Look at Coach with the picks I like in it. here for for the gambling folks. I love it. Well, you know, if you like, I will say, if you like quarterback play and you want to watch really good quarterback play, don't watch this game. <laughs> it's been a, it's been a struggle for. I mean, this is sort of in terms of the conference lower the bottom rung in terms of quarterback play like Auburn their quarterbacks combined 58% completion two touchdowns six picks it's not any better at Missouri with Cook and then Abraham came in for a little bit against K-State and threw two picks and like three three or four plays like it's just until you can if you're going to be those teams where you're not the most talented team in the division as it is typically you've got to get great quarterback play and they're just not getting it at all and their quarterback is playing, starting for Indiana, the guy that started for Missouri last year. Basil Lighten, Lighten mm -hmm. it up there. And then Indiana's quarterback goes out to Washington. 
and just Penix. completely torches uh, Coach Suck, Tucker's team. So as Brent so aptly put, the, the transfer portal can be really good to you. I mean, you, you, that's what the doctor ordered. Uh, Washington needed a quarterback. This guy that was a coordinator uh, at Indiana is now the head coach out there at uh, Washington, and he he got that kid to transfer. I guess there wasn't anything wrong with it. But that kid beat M- Michigan State last year too as, as Indiana's quarterback. So uh, when Brent was talking about, I think off the air, we, we were talking about what's Georgia going to do at quarterback. He told me, hey, sit tight and get a get a transfer guy, you know, give you depth. But, wouldn't a transfer quarterback like to come to Georgia after Bennett leaves and know you got all that supporting cast, even, you know, Beck certainly and Vandergriff are, are here, but the, 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 the uh, transfer portal is where it's happening, man. Go ahead, Dave. Okay. I thought, I thought I saw your mouth moving. So I, no. I bailed out of it for a second. Yeah, the thing, the thing with me for Auburn is I understand why they want to play Robbie Ashford. He gives them the mobility that TJ Finley does not. I'm stunned that Zach Calzada hasn't proven more in practice to give more reps. He's the only guy on that team that has beaten Alabama. And at some point you have to think, let's just throw him in there because it can't get much worse, at least in terms of passing the ball. Maybe he has movement issues. Maybe there's protection issues. But in terms of throwing the football, it can't be much worse than what we've seen. Correct. Yeah, I think it's one of those deals where you got the coordinator there is from Boise, and Harson had that stuff at Boise. They do nine million things before the ball snapped, and then either get a delay a game penalty or gain two yards. They 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 waste more time before the ball snapped than anybody I've ever seen. That stuff worked out at Boise, but the SEC's caught up with it, and all that pre-snap movement uh, hurts you when you can't when your quarterback can't call the play, and that's maybe that's what's happened. Calzada he doesn't understand that, but. I'd have to with his arm, which you think is pretty good, don't you, Bennett? With his arm, yep. I'd let him go back in there, just throw one, see if he could hit that eagle coming in the stadium or something. Just throw it up there in the air and run, let him run for it. Uh, after all that, Auburn is seven point favorite against Missouri. So, yep. uh, as Brent said, that one could get sloppy quickly. Here's what we're going to do for our remaining games I'm going to give you uh, two sets of games, just clusters, and just tell me. I'll start with you, coach. If anything in this cluster of games, I'll start with three first. Just catches your attention. Uh, Kent State and Georgia. Georgia is a 45 point favorite at home at noon. Mississippi State coming off a disastrous fourth quarter in Baton Rouge, a 30-point favorite against Bowling Green. That's at 11 local time. And then Ole Miss is a 21-and-a-half-point favorite against Tulsa. Ole Miss 3-0, and but I really don't know if we know anything about them based on their light schedule so far. So what, I got 30 seconds on this? Is it what you want? Whatever you want. I guarantee you one thing, Kent State has a great chance of hitting this cover. That's a lot of points. We haven't seen a quarterback like we're going to face Saturday. He's probably among the top three we'll play against all year. Uh, they do a lot of the Baylor offense. They, they stress your star. They stress your money linebacker. They do a great job of of really calling plays. They've got a veteran defense. And, you know, everybody say, well, Georgia's so good and all that. We are good, but we're not going to constantly shut down good offensive team. This will be a good test for us to see what we'll do against Tennessee because they do a similar thing. As far as Mississippi State, I was disappointed in them last week. Uh, Bowling Green beat the Thundering Herd after they went out there and beat uh, 
Notre Dame, and then they, their coach did so many interviews during the week, he forgot to talk to the team about playing Bowling Green. And he got the last team in overtime. And then uh, the other game, really impressed with the running game that uh, that Coach uh, Kiffin's got. He's got transfers, too, plus a true freshman that's running the rock. And, uh, you know, their schedule set up to be 7-0. I think Brent told us a couple weeks ago, it looks like that uh, – inconsistency at quarterback, but uh, they played a tech team that really is terrible. I mean, at this point, like 183 to 10 over their last four games against power five teams. So you can't get too fired up about Ole Miss about the way they destroyed them. But uh, I think Mississippi state's got to figure out what, you know, when you got to make a play, you got to make a play and they didn't do it last week. True. And I think the, the point you made about the Kent State quarterback coach, I think is the biggest point out of all three of those games. Outside of Mississippi, that was the worst game Mississippi State has played since they played Alabama last year. Ole Miss, I borderline felt sorry for Georgia Tech. Like that look, that was. No, don't feel sorry. That, <laughs> I mean, or Georgia Tech fans. Sorry, I should call it because that was, I mean, those guys were running untouched all game long. But anyway, the court, the Kent State quarterback, Colin Schley. 13 missed tackles forced as a runner. Big, physical kid. Eight missed tackles forced against uh, Oklahoma. So the kid can do can can make plays. And I think, like Coach said, he's very – that hook, Hendon Hooker, what you're going to see later in the year uh, with Tennessee, good preview for that for Georgia. That's it in those three games. Well, and the quarterback from two years ago is playing pro ball as a, on the, on the uh, camp squad. He's on the practice squad, so – uh, this team knows what they're doing. Uh, offense coordinator at Syracuse is now the head coach for uh, Kent State, and uh, that's where Nick Saban went to school. So uh, you got to got to be careful about getting on uh, Kent State too much. Uh, coach Saban get mad. Kent State's head coach said that Georgia had the greatest collection of talent ever assembled on a football field, which I just loved that quote. It made me laugh so much. Yeah, well, I will say. There was, a, was he looking at last year's tape or this year's? So. There was a fascinating article. I hate to prop up the other another website, but on the athletic from Andy Staples about Kent State and what their sort of previous athletic director had done to them. From a, they're just playing these yeah, games from the money part of it, and like look look at what they've done this year. This is at Washington, at Oklahoma, now at Georgia. That's insane. Well, the coach has got to put in his contract now that out of that $5 million that they're going to get between the three, that the football team will get at least 200000 to help their yep. program instead of just uh, the rowing team and some of those. I'm all for helping out those. Don't get me wrong. I, and Brent and Dane know I, I'm for women's sports. I go watch them. Let's support them. I'm, I'm, I'm for Olympic sports, but you know, three times against the top 15 team in one year. Uh, I know that the, Coach Lewis doesn't even scrimmage on Tuesday. He doesn't even let them wear pads during the week because of these games. So they'll start back. Here's the other point that I read in that article, and I, I think you aptly brought that up too. They've won their last 10 games at home. I think Coach froze there for a second. Yep. We'll see if he uh, comes back here. He had a really good point, though. I, I agree. Last I 10 agree. games at home. We'll stop I it agree. at that. I agree. Um, 
I'm going to pull him from this for a second. He'll probably reset here. While he does, I do want to tell folks about our friends at ASW Distillery. So we told you that at Connor Grading and Landscaping, get your backyard set. I promise you my back deck is my oasis, especially when this fall weather hits. And if you want yours to be the same, get your back deck set by Connor Grading and Landscaping. But then have your spirits, whatever you like. Bourbon tends to be my jam from ASW Distillery. This is the uh, Fiddler Georgia Heartwood. And this is what uh, my friend uh, Chad Rawson up at ASW Distillery uh, told me to try. He said, look, I've chatted with you a little bit. You told me some of the things that you like. Go try our Georgia Heartwood Fiddler Bourbon. I'm going to read their... uh, their description from the website the same foraged high wheat bourbon as our flagship fiddler unison finished on the staves of georgia oak that our distilling team has harvested and hand charred the 45 percent wheat content is unique for bourbons leading to sweet smooth profile and it is high proof the notes caramel maple toffee and clove they have a few different kinds of bourbon if gin is your jam they have that as well also if you are a vodka drinker Go check out ASW Distillery. You can find them, especially in the state of Georgia, wherever you buy your, uh, let's just say, party goods. How about that? Uh, But then also, if you're out of state, too, go and say, hey, I've heard these guys on Around the League at UGA Sports talk about ASW Distillery. Uh, They are distilled by dogs. Five of the six founders graduated from UGA. They love SEC football. So go try them out and tell the people uh, wherever you buy your alcohol to come check it out. So that's a ASW distillery. All right. By Coach way, had to uh, run with his uh, internet dealio. That's fine because we only have one more cluster, Brent. So we're going to wrap this up. Tell one me more thing to finish your... up, though, before we, before we do that. I bet he was about to say of what that non-conference work does for them in their conference games. Because they've played, been very good in the MAC because their non-conference has been so tough. It's like going back down and getting back to their level makes them that much better. But anyway, all right, let's go. Last cluster. Last cluster of games here is Northern Illinois at Kentucky. The Wildcats, a 26-and-a-half-point favorite. That game's 7 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN2 on Saturday. Uh, we do have another SEC game, but it is Vanderbilt, so maybe that's arguable. At Alabama, 40-and-a-half-point favorites. The Tide are in that game, 7.30 Eastern time on the SEC network. New Mexico goes to LSU. LSU favored by 31-and-a-half. Is that fourth quarter a turning point for LSU? Do we look back maybe next year and say that's where the belief changed with them? I I think it could be. It felt like an inflection point, their fourth quarter against Mississippi State. And finally, uh, South Carolina needs some good news. 22.5 point favorite at home against Charlotte. Uh, I I mentioned LSU there. Anything catching your eye, whether it be Kentucky or Bama or Vandy? All right, so one, Kentucky's played like garbage, and they're 3-0. Like they've just not played well. Levis only has one big-time throw, five turnworthy plays. Their running game is non-existent. Their long run is 18 yards. They only have seven runs of 10 yards or more. Like Their offense is going to have to catch up because they go play Ole Miss next week. Didn't we say this like, on some summer podcast? I know I did. That like oh, Levis, yeah. let's, let's slow it down a little bit. Well, and play, new play caller, no, no Rodriguez, like entirely new offensive line, just different for him. Two – Bold prediction of the of the mid, sort of quarter part of the season. I think Vanderbilt covers in this game. And I think Vanderbilt is not the seller in the East. I don't think they finished last in the East. South Carolina be, or Missouri? I, either. Whoever loses their game? I, I think they're going to beat them both. 
could potentially beat them both. I, I'm, 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 be I'm a believer in the fighting Clark Lees. Yeah. I'm like, look, I, I put this out on Twitter earlier, uh, but in the last three seasons, they've had one overall game grade above 80. In the last three seasons, they've had two this year. So some actual improvement from Vanderbilt. LSU, I think you've made a 100% correct point. That could be a turning point. And actually, I actually gained a lot more respect for Brian Kelly this week. The answer that he gave about Jaden Daniels in a, in a press conference talking about how you're the, the tug and pull there between letting him run and be a playmaker because he's electric as that versus, you know, a pocket passer and the why. And they look at and they break down, hey, why did you break the pocket here? Is because nobody was open or is it because you just wanted to run? Like, so the dynamic there because of how good he is as a, as a runner. I mean, he's the highest graded power five QB in terms of rush grade because he's biggest, electric as a runner. The biggest thing with him, and it looks like coach Donovan is, is popping back in here. The biggest right. thing with the biggest thing with Daniels at LSU, he's not throwing interceptions, but he's still slow on some of his reads and receivers are open for LSU and he's just not throwing it fast enough. And that's when he's running out of the pocket, but he's not making critical mistakes. And that's how this could be an inflection point for LSU. Hey, coach. Welcome back, Coach. Sorry about that. I don't know. Uh, you started talking about something that made my internet mad, so I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, well, I'm, coach. I'm closing it up here. What uh, what do I need to give you a little factoid on? <laughs> I just want to see if you agree with me. I'm, I'm going – my bold prediction, Vanderbilt covers against Alabama. 40 and, and a half. Not, is not the, the last team in the East this year. That they are – that's my – Quarter of the season prediction. I can tell you that I mean Vanderbilt's got a heck of a shot against uh, against uh, both Missouri and uh, South Carolina. I agree. Whether they cover that, I don't know. Uh, Alabama hadn't shown me much with their offensive line or their receivers, but uh, forty and a half. But you know, you got two big big spreads there, Kent Kent and uh, Alabama against uh, uh, Vanderbilt. But uh, hey. Should be fun this week to see uh, some big games. I mean, Florida, uh, to me, just – it'd be a big upset Florida wins that game. Brenda, Jimmy, South Carolina thoughts quickly, other than Vandy, maybe better than them? I just – I was shocked watching the game. Like, third and six on the opening drive, and you go to the, you know, wildcat run. And then, you know, they were – it was like, hey, we don't belong on the field. Like, they had three guys. You know, we talked about them last week. Jaheim Bell, Juice Wells, and Josh Van that can make plays. Those Never guys had three – deep once. No, they did it once. Outside of that, Van had one target. Wells had one target. Just throwing the ball. And they didn't at all. That was just peculiarly – I was – beyond shocked at that game plan and how they structured that game. They were mesmerized. They looked like they were just totally. And then, you know, we knew Rattler would take the gas. I mean, you know, he's not going to change. He's, he can't throw the ball when he gets pressured. I mean, that's just basically it. But nothing against the kid. He's got a good arm. You know, they come out and threw, threw the first one to the tight end. I don't the, think they threw another one to him. But nope. Their game plan uh, kind of evaporated over uh, – Everything went down when the when the uh, minor sports came out there on the field, and uh, and I'll end this show with how I mentioned it on Tuesday. That's what the champions were. That women's basketball team runs South Carolina, so don't be ushering them off the field if they were included with exactly. that. You you should hope you can get invited to their game. Yes. Shane Beamer, yeah, hey, respect I mean, to Don Staley. They you watch the fighting 49ers from Charlotte. 
they'll go in there and move the ball. I mean, they, they've had, you know, they got beat by Bill and Mary and uh, Florida Atlantic, but they beat Georgia State last year, last week by one. Georgia State's got a good team. Now they got to play Coastal Carolina. Probably going to start the season 0 and 4, and they've been in every game they played. They just hadn't yep. won one. That didn't work out well. You can ask Scott Frost. Hey, that's around the league here from UGASports.com. Thanks for uh, watching and listening. Thanks to our sponsors, Connor Grading and Landscaping and ASW Distillery. And as always, Coach Donovan, thanks for joining. Brent Rollins, same. I'm Dane Young. We'll see you all next week here on Around the League.